God, you're so good. God, you're so good. Sing it out. God, you're so good. You're so good to me. Sing it again. God, you're so good. Thank you, Jesus. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. You're so good to Thank you, Jesus. You know, I'm convinced that we can't truly walk in everything that God has for us until we realize how much love he has for us, how good he is, not just to everyone, but to me. His love, not just for everyone, but for you. If everyone would just close your eyes, wherever you're at. I don't care how long you've been walking with God. But every day, we need His mercies. That's why they're new every morning. Just say, God, please remind me of your goodness to me. Remind me to walk in your goodness to others. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. You know, just walking in that goodness, we have only really a response to make. And that response is to give because out of God's goodness, God so loved the world that he gave. We can only be like God. And so we're going to transition into time of giving. Uh, David Mark, John Stevenson, can you come up and help me with that? Thank you. Father, thank you. Thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for these beautiful mountains. Thank you for all of your precious people here. And I pray that we would truly know that we walk in your goodness every day. And uh, I pray that our response would be generosity and a desire to point people to you. We love you and we bless you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you guys would stand with me. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks, worship team. So good. I'd like to invite to the stage Mrs. Laura Young. I know that she has an amazing word from God to share with us today, and so I'll hand the mic to her. Thank you. I told Aaron I didn't want the Gwen Stefani mic. I'll just use this one. Oh, I'm nervous. <laughs> Are you guys nervous for me? <sighs> okay. I am excited about what God's given me. So, good morning, good morning, good morning. So, this is the first time I've ever done this. I, um, several years ago, I know you, most of you will remember that Ryan and I um, tag team, teach, taught on Sozo ministry. And so, we went through what that looks like, and the different tools that we use in the ministry. And so I did do that, and I would have whole Sundays that were just mine, but that's, that's what I know. I know that really well, so it wasn't the same as, as doing this. So I'll just get right into it. <laughs> How does that sound? So if we look at the life of Jesus and his ministry, he taught a lot of times with parables, And he went around and he would teach stories of kingdom principles by telling a parable. And so I believe today that Jesus has given me an analogy to use. It's not quite a parable, but it's it's in the the category of of that. So I believe that we are like cars as believers. So it's kind of funny that God asked me to use this analogy because I don't know anything very much, very limited knowledge about cars. Um, if I needed to change a tire and Mark was not available, I couldn't get hold of my father-in-law, I probably would be, like, having to figure it out on my own. I probably would actually keep going down the list. Like, is David Mark available? Who is available? Like, I just keep calling people till I get somebody. Um, and then also, like, check in the oil in the car. I know there's a dipstick, and I think that you need a paper towel of some sort. That's the extent of my knowledge on what that means. Like, I don't, I'm not someone who does cars. And I, thankfully, I don't have to. I have Mark, and I have my father-in-law, who is a mechanic, and a good one at that. So, I don't need to have the knowledge. So, raise your hand if you came here today in a vehicle or a car, truck, some sort. Raise your hand if you came today in one. I'm okay. I didn't see every hand, but I'm going to assume that you're just not participating and that you didn't actually walk here. So all of you have some knowledge of a car because you ride in them, you use them, you turn them on, you go in them, right? Okay. 
So the first thing in our faith, in our walk with the Lord, is our faith, right? We have to have faith in Jesus to begin as believers. So that is our ignition. That's the key. That's our ignition switch. So faith, say this with me, faith is our ignition switch. Okay. So I'm going to talk about four parts of cars. That's the first. So <clears throat> faith is in the finished work of Jesus. Faith in his, what he's done for us in the cro- at the cross is the beginning point of being a believer in Jesus, right? That is the beginning point. And so <clears throat> how do we build our faith? So um, we have to know that Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. That's what it says. And I have it. I have it. John Ray has it. It's John 14, 6. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes next to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know my Father too. Okay, and the next verse that I have um, on how can we build our faith is Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you're going to build your faith by hearing the word of God. Having it heard, saying it, having it come out your mouth is going to build your faith. So another way for me that I built my faith was through prayer. Um, I think I was like 11 or 12 years old, and um, here at the church, April Avery was my Sunday school teacher, and um, she told us that she wrote down every one of her prayers in a, in a notebook every day. And um, I was like, well, if April's doing it, then I have to do it too. Um, so I did, and it was very faith-building for me. So if you've never experienced prayer journaling, I really encourage you to do that because I would go back months later and read those prayers that I had written and see how God had answered my prayers at 12 years old, exactly how I had asked in so many situations. Now, there were situations that he had not answered at all like I had asked, and I was like, thank you, God, like, somebody I had a crush on, like, God, please let him, you know, like, and I would be like, oh, yeah, he's stupid now. I don't even like him. I'm so glad that God didn't answer that prayer. But so as a, as a kid that built my faith, I could see God hears my prayers and he answers them. And so, but what if we have prayers that are unanswered and we don't understand why? We might have even wrote it down, and it's not answered, but we don't have the why to it. What happens then? So a lot of times, doubt and unbelief can come in. Like, God's not hearing my prayers. Things aren't being answered. So what do you do when that happens? You go back to the Father and say, Father, return me to my first love. Take me back to what I know. Um, Then you say to yourself, what do you believe? So you need to go through, what do you believe? We talked about faith. Like, what is your faith built on? What do you believe? We talked, just talked about the goodness of God. We believe that God is good. And you might have to say that out loud several times. I believe God's good. I believe he's good. I believe he's sovereign. I believe he has victory over areas in my life. I believe that he sits in, in heaven at majesty, at the hand of majesty, and he is interceding for me on my behalf. He's my mediator. 
So you, do, you just start saying these things out loud and you just build your faith so that it can flush the unbelief and doubt out. So again, I don't know much about cars, but I do know that there's a thing called flooding your car and it can't start, right? I don't know how that happens, but I've heard it said. So, um, but that, I, when I was thinking about it, it's like that doubt and unbelief can flood your engine to where your, your faith isn't getting started correctly. Okay? So, <clears throat> what we believe and have faith in is more important than anything else. And so you have to be reminding yourself of that all of the time. Because guess what? You're going to get hit with all the doubt and unbelief on a regular basis. Okay, so Hebrews 10, 23. Am I super loud or is it just me? It is so loud right here. All right, so let us hold fast to the confession of our, of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Do we believe he's faithful? Okay, so the second part of our car, the second part we're going to talk about is gasoline. So you have to have gas or, Elijah, you got diesel or whatever, gas or diesel. I mean, if you're really super fancy, plug in your car, but you have to have some power source. Most of us use gas, right? Okay, so hope is our gas as believers. Um, you, you cannot do anything. You can't go where you want to go, where God wants you to go in the kingdom if you're hopeless. That is the gasoline for our cars. So we have the ignition started. You have to push the gas, right? And so um, your circumstances and the world around you is not going to change if you don't have hope. Okay? Our hope level determines our influence level. Our hope level determines our influence level. Do we need to have influence in the world around us? Do you want influence in your home? Your hope level is a direct, your influence is going to be a direct result of your hope level. So God loves to partner with our hope to have kingdom things happen. Do you know that it's his total design is to partner with us? He doesn't do anything outside of partnering with us. So he is looking for hope-filled believers to partner with. Okay, so um, did if you look at Ezekiel, do you think that he was like, let's just be realistic when we're calling out to these dry bones. We need to be reasonable. We don't need to have hope in this. We just need to be reasonable. Do we need to call out to these dry bones? That was probably not his self-talk, right? Okay, look at David. Was David like, let's just be realistic. Let's be reasonable. That's a really big guy. I'm a really little guy. Let's just keep things normal. Let's keep things realistic. No, David had full hope that God was going to pull through. And it wasn't hope in him. It was hope in God, right? Okay, so... <clears throat> Hope does not disappoint us. Romans 5, 5, 
says, hope cannot disappoint us. Okay, now hope does not disappoint us because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So it is not in hope's nature to disappoint. He can't, I mean, hope can't disappoint. It's not a thing. It can't be disappointed with hope, okay? So um, hope is also the thing that activates faith, right? And Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If you don't have hope in an area, okay, so I'm, I'm, this is something Mark actually spoke on several, whenever he spoke last month. If you don't have hope in an area, that is a stronghold. That is a stronghold in your life. So, <clears throat> Mark has shared about making the daily declarations. I think he started sharing that at the beginning of the year, that we make these daily declarations. Um, One of my favorite declarations about hope is that hope, um, let me say it right. (laughs) Oh, I can't say it. Anyway, I can't remember exactly how to say it. But those hope-filled declarations, many of you have come to me and Mark and said, those have made a huge impact on me. They've made a huge impact in our house. Um, we are changing mindsets. That's what a stronghold is. It's a mindset. And so it's also, I looked it up, like Googled it, not in a real dictionary, but Google dictionary, said it's a place that has been fortified to protect against attack. And so negative strongholds are not good. They um, come in the form, like you can recognize some of them in the form of always, never, ever, like statements like that. Like, I always have this happen to me. They always do this to me. Things are never going to work out for me. It never pulls through for me. I never see breakthrough. Those kind of statements are indicators that you might have a stronghold or be hopeless in a situation. Okay? All right. So, (laughs) um, you don't need to just start speaking, again, not saying the negative, but you need to, in reverse, say the positive. Okay? So, David and Evelyn have a garden. I can see the garden from my front porch. And I can see that they've planted corn. There's other vegetables. I just can't tell what they are. Um, But I could tell weeks ago that they had planted corn because I could see it. Right? I don't have to wait till there's cobs coming off and they're cooking them to say, that's corn. It's corn now. I can see it. And so in that same way, we're making these hope-filled, word-faith-filled declarations. You don't have to wait till the outcome happens to call it that. You need to start calling it that as it's developing, as it's building in your life. So making hope-filled declarations is not just a robotic thing either. Like, Jesus is good all the time. I know he is good. I have hope in every situation. Like, that is malarkey. Don't do that. Do not do that. Just have your heart 
turned on. Have your mind turned on. Don't just robotically, without your mind engaged, without your heart engaged, start saying these hope-filled declarations because that is just a waste of time. That is like hooky stuff. Other people can do that. Like, oh, I wish that, I wish upon a star. Like, what does that even mean? Like, that means nothing. But having hope-filled declarations, that means everything because it's full of the Word of God, right? Okay. So, right now, hot topic is that gas is expensive, right? Has anybody paid a lot for gas recently? Okay. I have, like often. Um, and so, if gas is, gas is kind of really expensive, if we all had a gas reserve at our house, we'd be doing pretty good, right? You could have plenty of gas all the time, not having to pay for it. Can I submit to you? that hope in this season is just as a hot commodity more than ever. We have to be hope-filled people in this world right now. If you're as hopeless as everybody else, guess what? Nobody wants to hear what you have to say. Nobody cares that you, what you know if you don't have any hope. Okay. <clears throat> okay, so I have to keep looking at my notes because I don't know where I'm at. All right, so there was, um, there's this statement that I have grown to hate is don't get your hopes up. Don't get your hopes up. What does that even mean? Don't get your hopes up. And I know that people are saying that, they'll say that to protect. Like, oh, I don't want them to get their hopes up. They might get let down. But if your hopes are in Jesus, your hopes are in the right thing, don't put your hope in people, okay? Yeah, that's not where we do that. Our hope has to be directed in the right place. But get your hopes up. You have to have hope to have faith. It activates our faith. You have to have hope. Okay, so Proverbs thirteen twelve. Yes. When a, dream, when a hope's dream seems to drag on and on, the delay can be depressing. In some versions it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when, you're la when at last your dream comes true, life's sweetness will satisfy your soul. Have you heard that verse? I don't think that I'd ever read, like, the second half of that very much. <coughs> Sorry. Some translations, the second half says it's the tree of life. It doesn't say, it doesn't say don't get your hopes up because you're going to be heart sick. That's what I heard, though, for years and years. Don't get your hopes up. You might get heart sick. Um, that's not what it says. It just says if it goes on for a while, your heart might get sick. It might be depressing. But when the dream is fulfilled, it's life's sweetest joy or a tree of life. <coughs> I think about um, when, when people are single with this verse a lot just because it's that longing for your, your person, the person God has for you. 
And so you're thinking about that. You're wanting that person to come. And so if it takes a while, you might feel heartsick or you might feel sad, might be depressing. But then when you do meet that person, it's like life's sweetest joy. So um, <clears throat> one verse that I declared over that situation for years was delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. That's a hope-filled scripture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Psalms 37.4. Okay. Remember, hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem. I'm going to say that again. Hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem. So we need to start tearing down those negative strongholds and replacing them with positive strongholds. Strongholds that are positive can be good because they are attacking the enemy. They're coming against those thoughts that come to you. You've already got that stronghold built in your mind. That thought, that negative thought's not going to stay as long. You're going to be able to take authority over it quicker. Okay, so 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So we can tear down every negative stronghold, every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We replace those with truth. If you have a stronghold in any area, your brain won't even look for the truth. It has to be through God's revelation. So if you're thinking negative in an area, your brain's always going to look for that to be justified. That's proven. I don't know where it is. Look it up. I've heard it multiple times. (laughs) I'm not a scientist, but I've read it. All right, so you should always be getting your hopes up that get, don't get your hopes up statement needs to be out of your vocabulary. <clears throat> and this is what we do in Sozo sessions week after week. We're tearing down lies and replacing them with truth. That is what we're doing. <clears throat> okay, so a stronghold that I realized that I had recently was that I believe that difficult people in my life would never change. And the truth declaration that I've been making is God partners with my hope for the people in my life and creates breakthrough for them. That is exciting, guys. (laughs) That God can partner with my hope for the difficult people in my life to bring breakthrough. That's awesome. Again, he likes to partner with us. He likes to partner with hope-filled people to do his work. So there's no condemnation if you're believing a lie, but you just need to know what the lie is so that you can tear it down and replace it with truth. Who gives you the truth? Holy Spirit, right? Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father God. Okay. 
it's a, it's a kingdom characteristic that we should always be looking to build in our life. Um, what comes out of your mouth matters, so fill it with hope. All right, <clears throat> a little quick review as we move on. Faith is your ignition key. Gas is? All right, so motor oil is going to be joy. It's joy. So, <clears throat> what happens if a car doesn't have motor oil? Okay, I had to look it up on Google. It will seize, it will grind and seize up, and the engine will stop working, right? That's what it said, that you have to have it. Okay, so we, we need joy. We need the oil of gladness in our lives. Um, this has been a constant conversation at our house. Mark and I are constantly like, how do we cultivate joy? How do we do that? What does that look like? I'm telling you right now, you can say, oh, you need joy. But how does that practically look like in your life is a big question mark. It has been like a, how do you actually do that? What do you do to cultivate joy in your life? Okay, so let's look at some scripture. <clears throat> Proverbs 17, 22. Uh, I have a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Same, same. All right. Um, Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of, is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Right? <clears throat> so joy is one-third of the kingdom. So is it important that we kind of pay attention to cultivate that in our lives? It is one-third the kingdom. It says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy. All right. So laughter is a weapon. You don't need anything sometimes other than laughter. <clears throat> in order to laugh, you're letting go of something else. You're letting go of, of lies, and you're just laughing, just letting it out, all right? <clears throat> Did you know that studies prove that this is actually, the Bible is actually telling the truth when it says laughter is good medicine? All right, I'm going to read a little bit in this book, which is a great book, Possessing Joy. You should get it by Steve Backlund. Okay. In 2001, there were two studies that showed a good laugh can strengthen your immune system. In one, which was published in the Journal of American Medical Association, scientists exposed 26 people to allergen, which produced allergy symptoms, then let them view a 90-minute Charlie Chaplin film, which I don't think would be very funny, but apparently these people did. The allergy symptoms were reduced in all 26 subjects for four hours after the video. The other study published that in the alternative therapies and health and medicines looked for an increase in immune function through laughter. 52 healthy men watched an hour-long comedy video, and then they were measured before, during, and after the video for immune, immunity markers in their T cells. It was discovered that for up to 12 hours, 
their immunity function was up. Experts say that stress reduction seems to be the key for, or seems to be the key that can do wonders to lower stress. Good laughs. That's what it was. Sorry, I skipped a line. <clears throat> so, it's been proven that laughter actually does build your immune system. Laughter actually does wonders for your health. Hmm, the Bible is actually right. It's good medicine. <clears throat> so I thought, like Mark said, he thought he was just being timid was part of his personality. I thought just being joyful was just like, it's not part of my personality. I don't get like overly silly. I'm not, I'm not overly serious, but I'm not like, <laughs> like all the time. Like I just, I'm, that's not my personality. And so how do I, how am I going to build my um, joy? How do I do that? And so I cannot wait till like um, Rachel's in town from India and have girl time to laugh. I can't just depend on Christy being up from Florida for us to spend hours together and just laugh. Like I can't, that can't be my only time I have joy filling in my heart, right? I have to cultivate this more than just then. I mean, I need those times too, but I need more. So, <clears throat> and I know that there are times where we mourn with those who mourn. I, I recognize that. We are not to be, we, there is a time that we can't just be laughing like somebody's passed away and you don't, you know, you, you know what I mean. But <laughs> by the most, for the most part, most of us aren't as joyful as we actually need to be. We don't have radical joy that we need to have compared to, like, just everybody else. We look like everybody else. Now, Mark can't sell mattresses and crack jokes the whole time. Like, those people aren't going to stick around. They're going to leave. They're going to walk out. I mean, Christy might stay because it would be fun. <laughs> that would be, like, I could think. But most people aren't going to do that, right? And so um, I believe that, like medicine, we need to start trying to laugh three to four times a day. I'm telling you, I was not doing that. I was not doing that. That is not, I don't go around laughing three or four times a day. Just, I have to, you have to work at this. This isn't going to come natural, okay? So let's turn our laughters on and do a little participation right now. So we, one thing that you can do is laugh at the enemy's lies. It disempowers him. The lies have no more power when we're laughing at those, okay? So when those come up in your heart, you can laugh at those. So let's practice right now. We will do like the ha 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 ha, okay? Go ahead and try the ha 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 ha. Okay. So here's some lies. This was a big one that I struggled with for years. You are a failure. Let's laugh at that. Ha 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 ha. Okay. God loves me, but he doesn't like me. <laughs> Let's laugh at that lie. Oh, that's funny. All right. <clears throat> Here's another one. You're just not good enough. <laughs> All right. Okay, so we can do that on our own. Think of those things, that those lies that the enemy tries to trap you in and laugh at those. We need to laugh at those lies because we, that, like I said, 
laughing means that you're releasing something and it's not having the power over you anymore. All right. <clears throat> so another way to cultivate joy is to become overwhelmingly thankful for the things that God's done in your life. Talk about it. Think about it. Bring it up in your heart. Okay, I'm going to read Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Um, this passage of scripture got me through those really, really, really hard days where daddy was in the hospital and they were both sick and things were happening and it was just really hard. So have you not known, have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, never faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. I'm telling you, that first part of that scripture, do you not know, have you not heard, God is an awesome God, basically, he knows and he sees and he hears. That built me up. I mean, I, I don't, raise your hand if you remember Phil Driscoll from the trumpet player. <laughs> I, had, I had pulled out, like, found on Spotify one of his old albums, and it had this song on it. And I'm telling you, like, it was on repeat for weeks, constantly. Have you not heard? Do you not know? He does not grow weary. He is not looking, he's not searching for understanding. He knows what's going on, right? So that would build up my joy. Do you guys know that the joy of the Lord is your strength? Right. Do you need strength at the end of the battle? You need strength in the battle. You need to have strength in the middle of the battle. You don't need it at the end of the battle. I don't take Tylenol for my headache once it's gone, right? Like, we need it at the beginning. So begin thanking the Lord and meditate on the victory that you walk in and that you will see, you'll begin to see laughter develop in your life. Ask for it. Ask for it. Sometimes a practical way is that we'll turn on um, some comedians and watch them. I remember um, watching Nate Gatsky, <laughs> that's how you say his name, hilarious, I mean, I just laughed so hard, and it just built me up, I felt so, be so much better afterwards, or Tim Hawkins, or something that's equally funny, you know, just find something that's good and clean, don't have something crazy, <clears throat> all right, so we are going to partner with Joy so that we can tell the world, hey, he's a good God, he's victorious, he wants to be our best friend, and he wants to be your best friend. All right, turn to your neighbor and say, joy is my weapon. All right, say, check your spiritual dipstick. <laughs> is your oil of gladness low? <laughs> All right. All right. <clears throat> okay, we're going to review. Faith is your ignition key. Hope is your, all right, and joy is your, 
All right. So the next, the last, everybody get excited. This is the last part of the car we're going to talk about is, um, <clears throat> okay, so the biggest part of a car, the part you cannot, I know you cannot go anywhere without it, is your engine, right? What do you think as believers our engine is? It's our heart, right? And the biggest part of our heart is walking in forgiveness. Okay, so I'm not going to stand up here and say I've perfected walking in quick forgiveness. But I am trying really hard to be quick to forgive. Um, when you, when, you know, again, Sozo ministry is so forgiveness-based. Uh, you have to be in forgiving people things constantly. You cannot hold on to it. All right. <clears throat> so the important part of our Christian life is to walk in forgiveness. All right, Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and helpful to one another, tenderhearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another readily and freely, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Readily and freely. So you're quick to forgive and you give it out freely. All right? <clears throat> so do you know that if you do not, unforgiveness turns into bitterness. Bitterness turns into a personality trait. Okay, so this is why it's so serious to be quick to forgive. Have you ever been around someone, or even yourself, let's, let's just take, let's not talk about anybody else, let's talk about ourselves for a second. Someone hurts you, someone says something to you, and you rehearse in your mind a gazillion times, if, why if I'd said this, if I, if I had thought of that, I could have really put them in their place, right? Has anybody else, nobody else done that? Okay, so, um, or... Oh, just next time somebody says something to me like that, I've got, I'm going to put them in, I know, I'm fitting to whoop. I'm going to do it. So you just, uh, <laughs> you have to be quick to forgive. You cannot hold on to it. You cannot. It becomes bitter. So if you see it in someone else, sometimes you can't see it in yourself. You just think that you're, you're venting. I heard a pastor say, you're called ventilators. No, you're, you're just venting. I'm just venting. I'm fine. I, for, I've forgiven them, but I, oh, but did I tell you what else they did? You, know, that you haven't really forgiven them if that's how it, it is. So, <clears throat> sorry, there's a bug. Okay, so we just talked about joy. Do you think joy and bitterness can coexist in your life? Not well. No. Bitterness will snuff joy out very, very quickly. All right. <clears throat> All right. So Ephesians 4:31 Let all bitterness and anger and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you along with all malice. So let's just let bitterness go, okay? Let's decide today that any bitterness that's in your heart just let it go. <clears throat> okay. Hebrews 12, 15. 
I'll go ahead and read it. Watch over each other to make sure no one misses the revelation of God's grace. And make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. So root of bitterness coming up in your heart will poison the hearts of many. The image, so like I said, my father-in-law is a mechanic and has a garage. And the image, when I'm thinking about our hearts are engines, bitterness comes up out of your heart, there's some cars laying around like that aren't being driven, right? His garage, I'm sure he uses them for things. Again, no knowledge of it. I don't know (laughs) what he does. But you will see, and you've probably seen it somewhere yourself, where there's an old car sitting and weeds and roots begin to run up through the engine hood, right? Does that car look like it's usable? You think anything's going to happen with it anytime soon? I mean, you might could pull off some doors and redo those or whatever, but that engine's going to, it's just not going to happen. So use that as a mental picture of how you do not want bitterness to come out of your heart, which is unforgiveness left unchecked. Okay? All right. So Matthew 6, 14 through 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive them of their trespasses, neither your Father will forgive you of your trespasses. Ooh, that's scary. Like, seriously, think about that for a second. If you choose not to forgive someone, the Father isn't going to forgive you. I'm just going to leave that for a second. Let y'all meditate on that. All right, then Matthew 18. Um, It starts in verse 21, but I'm going to look at verses 33 through 35. But the story is the man who was forgiven, like millions of dollars in debt, and the king forgives him. And then he goes out on the street, and he sees a guy who owes him like 20 bucks, and he chokes out the man on the street for that 20 bucks. And he has him thrown in jail till the debt is paid off. So the king gets word of this, right? So we're on verse 33. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? As his master, and his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers. I think the one I have says, the king turned him over to the prison guards to be tortured until all his debt was repaid. In the same way, my heavenly father will deal with any of you if you do not release forgiveness from your heart towards your fellow believers. So the king said, you're going to be thrown in to be tortured in jail until your debt's repaid because you could not forgive your fellow friend who owed you. The, this kind of, the scary part is my heavenly father, Jesus is saying this, my heavenly father will deal with any of you if you do not release forgiveness the same way if you do not release forgiveness in your heart toward a fellow person, your fellow believer. 
This is serious business, guys. It is serious. You have to forgive. Let me ask, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you always feel like forgiving? You feel like, oh, I feel like I should just release forgiveness. I'm telling you, it's a rare thing that you're going to actually feel like forgiving that person. But what you need to do is partner with the truth of the Word of God that says you have to forgive. It's not about feeling it, okay? Can I tell you that feelers are not truth tellers? They can be good engine check lights. You can say, hey, I'm feeling this. Why am I feeling this? Take that to the Holy Spirit. Say, what, what is this? Why do I feel this way? But that doesn't mean it's truth. Just because you feel something doesn't mean it's true. And just because you don't feel like forgiving doesn't mean you shouldn't. You have to. It's the truth of God's word. We have to. All right? We're kingdom kids, and this is what we work. This is the kingdom we work in. That's how we work. All right. I will say that most of the time, after you do this stuff, like we, with someone who's forgiving someone even in a session of Sozo, you may not feel it right then, but by the end of the time, you're like, oh, I feel so much better. Even the next morning, you're like, wow, I just feel, I feel so much better. And so it's not, we don't have to go on our feelings, but God is faithful and he'll release that weight off your heart. All right, another trap that the enemy wants us to get into is um, acting like we know the hearts and motives and the thoughts that someone else has. So that's a lot of times how we get into unforgiveness is because we oh, I know what they, I know what they meant by that. I know that they think this about me. I know you were thinking that when you said that. You can't tell me anything else. I know it. Has anybody else been there? Oh, I know, I know that you meant that I looked ugly in that because you didn't compliment my earrings. I mean, it can get silly, but it's, it can be really real, too, that people think that they know the heart and the thoughts and the motives behind people. Let me encourage you with this scripture. 1 Corinthians 2.11 For what person knows the thoughts and motives of a man except the man's spirit within him? Hmm. Who knows the thoughts and motives of a man except his own spirit? So also no, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So I don't know. Right now I'm looking at Joan. I don't have a clue what she's thinking. If she had like, if she's smiling, but if she were like, I could think, oh, she, she hates everything I'm saying right now. She thinks I'm really stupid. She thinks that I shouldn't be wearing gold earrings right now. I just feel it. I know that's what she's thinking. And then I can get an offend, offended heart and have unforgiveness and hold on to that for years. People hold on to this crap for years, guys. And then they become bitter. There's a better way. Okay, there's a better way. Don't presume to know the thoughts and motives of a man. It will get you so much more freedom when you think that you don't know. You have no idea. I've been married to Mark for 23 years. I've been married to him way longer than I was ever not married to him. And I still don't always know what he's thinking. Most of the time, I would say, if I thought he was thinking anything, he probably isn't thinking anything at all. I'm not saying he's, like, absent-minded, but he's not thinking about things near as much as I am or, or have ever thought he was, right? 
Okay. So let's partner with the truth to be quick to forgive. Let's think about how we don't want to be bitter people, right? You can come up and talk to someone and say, you start talking about something um, that's really hot or whatever, and you can see just this bitterness coming out of them. And they're just, oh, yeah, yeah, and did you hear that? And did you see this on the news and blah, 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 blah? Don't be that person. Don't be that person. Let's be faith-filled, hope-filled, joy-filled people. So that means we have to take care of our hearts and not be bitter, unforgiving, quick to be angry. All right. So I'm going to do a little, not sozo work, but I'm going to do a little work on, with you guys this morning. Are you guys up for it? All right. I'm going to lead you guys in a prayer. So you may already know, hey, I know I need to forgive Johnny because I've been really mad at him. You may not know who you need to forgive, but let's just take a moment. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and just take a moment to ask the Father, ask the Holy Spirit, is there anybody I need to forgive? So just close your eyes and quiet your heart. Father, is there anyone I need to forgive? It's going to be the first person that comes to your mind that you see, think, feel, sense. You may have more than one. All right. I'm going to lead you in a prayer to forgive them. So, Father, I forgive this person for what they did to me or what they didn't do to me. I cancel the debt that they owe me. Father, forgive me for having the sin of unforgiveness towards them. Forgive me for carrying bitterness. I break all curses, negative talk, negative thoughts, or slander I spoke against them. I pray that you would bless them with salvation, freedom in every area, and open their eyes to your love and truth. Lord, let me see them through your eyes and love them with your love. Lord, I renounce all a life of bitterness, anger, unforgiveness. I give back my right to see justice. Forgive me for trying to take your seat as judge. I give it back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So forgiveness frees you from your past so that you can fully move forward in what the Lord has for you. You can fully walk in hope, love, joy, and carry peace. We need those desperately. All right, this is our last review. Faith is, hope is, gas. You guys are running out of gas. I can see it. Pep up. We just have a few more minutes. All right. Joy is, 
and our hearts and forgiveness is the engine. Okay. All right. Yes, stand. And I'm going to say this. Who is the best mechanic that we know? Holy Spirit. Guys, he is given to us for this purpose. He is our counselor. So when things come up and we have those check engine lights come up and we have things in our heart that we don't know what's happening, guess who you can take it to? The Holy Spirit. Say, what, what is this? I'm telling you, so many times we overcomplicate our prayer life and what, how we communicate with the Holy Spirit. It is literally like, what are you showing me here? Why am I feeling like this? And he will answer you, okay? You just have to simply ask. All right. So I'm going to say a prayer over you. Lord, I just pray over them this week that you would bless them with hope, joy, faith, and to walk with an unoffendable heart, Jesus. Let us be an unoffendable people, full of joy, ready to freely give it to all around us. Lord, let us know your love in a deeper way and experience it in a deeper way. In Jesus' name, amen.